0: Welcome to Town Square. I'm Beth Ann Kozlovich. As we like to tell you each week, this conversation includes you and the phone lines are open if you'd like to join us. Our number is 941-3689 if you call us from Oahu. That's the number to use, 941-3689. And from the Neighbor Islands or if you're listening to the live stream any place else and want to participate, you can at 877-941-3689. According to Gallup Analytics, American support for aid in dying has solidly increased since 1950. Then, 36% of Americans were in favor, and opinion grew to over 50% for the first time in 1973. As of May 2016, 69% said that a doctor should be allowed to end a patient's life by painless means if the patient requests it. In November, Colorado passed its Proposition 106, an aid-in-dying measure allowing terminally ill patients to take their own lives with physician-prescribed medication. Colorado joined Oregon, Washington, California, Montana, and Vermont. After trying for over two decades, Hawaii's supporters of Death with Dignity hope our state will be the next after this legislative session. In Hawaii last fall, an anthology marketing group statewide survey showed 80% of voters support medical aid in dying. And today, Hawaii law firm Alston Hunt, Floyd & Ing, and Compassion and & Choices, the oldest and largest national organization focused on end-of-life issues, announced they'd filed suit on behalf of a Hawaii resident with terminal cancer, John Radcliffe, and oncologist Chuck Miller, asserting that Hawaii Constitution Hawaii's Constitution and existing state law allow the practice of medical aid in dying. Tonight, we're going to hear from them, and we want to hear from you, too. Again, our number is 941-3689 or 877-941-3689. Joining me around the table, Charmaine Maninsala. She is the political director of Compassion and Choices. She was instrumental in the successful California campaign authorizing medical aid in dying, She was also a presidential appointee in the Obama administration as a senior legislative officer in the U.S. Department of Labor. And in the Clinton administration, she was a senior policy analyst for the White House Initiative on Asian Americans and Pacific Islanders. Dr. Chuck Miller is an oncologist and one of the founding members of the Physician Physician Advisory Council for Aid in Dying for Compassion and Choices. He served for 30 years in the U.S. Army Medical Department and was chief consultant to the Surgeon General. He also spent nine years as chief of hematology at Kaiser Medical Center in Honolulu. And to round out our panel, John Radcliffe, stage four terminal cancer patient patient and the patient plaintiff in today's announced lawsuit against the state of Hawaii. He continues to advocate for medical aid in dying. He's also co-founder and president emeritus of Capital Consultants of Hawaii, a veteran union leader and a 40-year active lobbyist, governmental and political action specialist. That's our panel. Thank you all for joining us tonight. Good evening. When we talk about aid in dying, physician-assisted suicide, death with dignity, we've had a lot of these names for what a lot of people see as the same thing and other people see as something as a very dangerous thing let's get very clear about what exactly we're talking about when you're looking at aid in dying. Sure, I can answer that. Medical aid in
1: dying is a preferred term for the medical practice in which a mentally capable, terminally adult with less than six months to live may request medication for her or his doctor for self-administration to bring about a peaceful death if
0: his or her suffering become unbearable. So this is not somebody who's going to... Administer this, this is all a matter of self-administration, right? Absolutely. Okay, for a lot of people who think, you know, this is a, a slippery slope, and what if somebody is depressed or they're having a bad moment? Well, you know, you can have a bad moment in lots of ways, but that threshold is at six months. The threshold is six
1: months, and I can tell you that in the 30 years that this law has been authorized in the six states, uh, we have found there's been no case of abuse or coercion, no slippery slope that has occurred in
0: those states. I want to talk to John Ratcliffe and to Dr. Miller. For such a long time, Hawaii has been dealing with this question, and it surfaced 20, 30 years ago. We saw some movement in, in uh, 2002. It seemed to get very close and then back away from it. As you chart what has happened with Death with Dignity, as, as we usually talk about it in Hawaii, how do you see that movement? And is there something that you see now in this year with so much change and so much uncertainty where it might make it a very ripe situation for this to go forward or perhaps thwart it? Dr. Miller?
2: Well, I think clearly, as you spoke about earlier, the, the vast majority, over 80 percent of people in Hawaii support the concept of having a choice in how they end their life. And uh, every year that it's been polled in Hawaii, we've seen the percentages go higher and higher and higher, and I feel again I'm am an outsider in terms of politics, but my my personal perception is I don't understand how the legislature can ignore this. This is this is clearly the will of the majority of the people, and you know my hope is that uh, it will gain action and traction in the legislature.
0: John Radcliffe, you've been deeply involved with politics in Hawaii, with lobbying with uh, your activists for over 40 years. Looking at the arc of what you've seen happen in Hawaii, overlaying that with the conversation about death with dignity, are we at a point now where it's, it's undeniable? Oh,
3: yes, I think it is undeniable. There's no question about it. it I mean, in those states that have had... Um, Legislation, there have been a zero uh, problems uh, in our own state. Um, almost 90 percent of the people want it, but un- unlike what uh, what Chuck is saying um, about the legislature, that you know, in as much as it's obvious on its face, why don't they do something about it? And they don't because people are against it, and they're much more active than the people are for it. So if you've got five dedicated people or 10 or 15 or 20, you can run that legislature up and down those halls and you can win. A
0: very vocal minority is what you're saying.
3: You know, if you, it's, it's just like any other game. If you suit up and get in the game, you might be able to win. But if you don't suit up and if you don't get in, you know, you can't win. So what I'm here to do today is to try to talk to your audience about doing something about this. I think they've got to make up their minds to talk to their own legislators who they know, they go to the store with and they see at various places all the time and they need to talk to those people uh, about what is going on. And I think those folks have got to have a talk within their own families as well, the legislators, with others in their families because what I'm hearing is an enormous amount of just plain agony and pain from people who have to be part of the family of people who are dying. They're also involved in this. And sometimes, and maybe often, after their loved one is already gone, they've got to deal with the fact that they they were there and they didn't do anything, and he, want, he or she wanted help in dying and didn't get it.
0: If that describes you or your situation with your family, we'd like to hear from you, 941-3689 or 877-941-3689. If that doesn't describe you and your perspective and your family, we want to hear from you, too. Same number, 941-3689 or 877-941-3689. We've talked a lot about the polling that's been done over so many decades with this. Do you have any information, Charmaine, to show that this is cutting against sort of generational lines or that this is really something that is more directed toward an older generation versus a younger, or how is it cutting across them?
1: It actually cuts through all demographics. And looking at the polling that's been done by Compassion and Choices, as well as other organizations, and looking at the different uh, cross-tabulations, we see that however demographic you fit, men, women, older, younger, um, in Hawaii, Hawaiians, Native Hawaiians, um um, Caucasian, and other, everyone is significantly for, for uh, 8 and dying.
0: John's point was that they just haven't been vocal enough and that a, a very vocal minority has been suppressing the idea that the majority is holding and, and shows up in the polls. Why does this keep happening if this is in fact such an important issue and everybody, everybody dies, everyone's going to have to deal with this, it's a very sensitive issue, but mitigating Pain if this is how you feel that you should be able to have control over your own death. You know, Even even in the last couple of weeks, we've heard from Archbishop Desmond Tutu. Correct. Mm-hmm. Who has said that he would like to have control over the time and place of his own death, and he's been dealing with prostate cancer for years. I actually don't think it's the people who's not speaking
1: up. I think what we're uh, not seeing is action from the legislators, um, I think the legislators are behind where the people are at
0: in terms of this particular issue. Well, many issues. I mean, that that could be said of many issues. Correct. Well, Correct.
3: If I may, uh, Beth Ann, my job, in so far as I can do it, is to serve pretty much as a poster boy for uh, for this process. But I know there's going to be a lot of lobbying going on at the legislature. And uh, I I know that the, that there's it's going to be a fairly intense operation this year. People are going to make a real run at this, and I think it's going to pass. Um, I I have a lot of hope for um, for this legislation this year, but it is not going to pass if your listeners and other people sit on their hands and go, "Hey, that's kind of nice. I hope that happens." No, 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 no. Everybody's got to get involved in the political process.
1: We need people to activate. We need people to call their legislators. We need people to share their stories uh, regarding how this particular law will affect them personally.
0: It's affecting you personally, John. Um, has this now become, forgive me for saying, the cause of your life?
3: Uh, yeah. Um, if your listeners don't know, if your listeners don't know my my own situation and no reason that they should
0: except that we talked about it at the top of the show that yeah, you're stage yeah. 4 cancer.
3: Yeah, I was diagnosed in on June 14th, I think 2014 with stage 4 liver and colon cancer. Uh and uh the doctors gave me 6 months uh up to maybe 24 months, 6 months if I didn't do anything and 24 months, if I were the best patient in the world, and did everything they told me to do when they told me to do it, and I was that patient, and uh, I am still alive. It's now been 31 months. I've been through 42 rounds of chemo. That's three-day sessions. Um, it, and I'm going to keep doing chemo as long as I can. But at some point, I'm going to die, and uh, probably within the next six months. Uh, So my case is rather urgent, and I would like to see this legislation passed. Thank you very much.
0: Should it not, will you go to one of the other states where you can have that kind of control?
3: I don't know what the situation is yet because I think it's going to pass.
1: All but right. actually, that is exactly why we need the law in Hawaii. It is unfair to put somebody through the burden of having to relocate their family, having to establish a new medical team, and have to go off-island just to ensure that they have a peaceful dying process. It's not only expensive, but the toll emotionally on a dying patient is simply unfair. You're
0: disconnected from everything you know. Absolutely. And Dr. Miller, go ahead.
2: The you know, just to talk a little bit about physicians in Hawaii, uh, I'm not alone. Um, the biggest problem in trying to to grant a dying patient's wish is that there's no protection for physicians if they do that. I I am perfectly capable of writing John a prescription and allowing and. He can take it to the pharmacy and get it filled, and then it's his choice. But the problem is that without some sort of legislative or or judicial protections, most physicians uh especially i'm retired, but most physicians in and still in clinical practice um, just can't take that risk of of being prosecuted
0: in in twenty eleven Charmaine, correct me if I'm wrong, but Compassion Choices had their legal advisor here who said that, you know, there really wasn't a prohibition of that within Hawaii statute. That caused a bit of an uproar because, you know, without it being so explicit, a lot of people were still very nervous. Is it still the impression that That, physicians are not prohibited?
1: prohibited? Well, again, physicians are scared of being prosecuted, but that's exactly why the law... Lawsuit was filed yesterday by Compassion and Choices and the Hawaii law firm because it is not explicit in the Hawaii law that it prohibits. Uh,
3: I, th- I think David uh, David Louis letter was pretty clear. I mean, on it, he, his opinion was it's not legal, um, and and that pretty much put a pin in that. Uh, <laughs> as it as it went forward. And then the new attorney general came in after the attorney general had gone, the old attorney general had gone, and said, all right, Mr. Attorney General, what do you think? Would you like to give us another opinion? And he said, no, I think that opinion's about right. Um, and so there we are. We have a situation exactly as Dr. Miller described it in which doc, uh, doctors simply don't have any protection that they can count on.
0: They're compassionate, but they're really deeply afraid. They're of, empathetic.
3: Of- but hey, they got life to live. All right. I,
0: I personally
2: know that you know there are many, many physicians in this state um, who, if we had that, would would bend over to do everything they could to meet their patients' choices. Most physicians understand this as a as a, a patient's choice, almost a patient's right, that they should have. The decision how and when to end their life when the quality of life becomes unbearable.
1: I just have to point out uh, to uh, the fact that actually in Hawaii law there's no explicit law prohibiting um, dispensing of aid and dying medication. The Hi- Hawaii Constitution actually protects the right to aid in dying, and Hawaii law also recon- recognizes the fundamental rights of people to make their end of li- own
0: end-of-life choices. Which takes us back to what we were talking about in 2011. That's right. Okay, we're going to see what some of our callers have to say. If you want to join us, 941-3689 <clears throat> or 877-941-3689. <clears throat> A lot of discussion that death in dying, that digni- death with dignity and aid in dying will be squarely in front of a lot of lawmakers this time around when session opens next Wednesday and beyond. How do you feel about it now? People in Hawaii were polled last fall. 80% of them, 80% of voters said that uh, they would agree. How do you feel about death with dignity? Call us 941-3689 or 877-941-3689. Going to Carl, calling us from Hilo. Aloha, Carl. Yes, hello. Thanks for your patience.
4: Um, I wanted to point out that physicians have for many decades been able to assist in suicide by uh, administering a pain medication that would not be likely to induce vomiting if taken in excess, and by merely giving the patient a very accurate description of how they are supposed to use this medication properly As opposed to to end their lives But this conversation For instance for morphine sulfate Is of the sort Where they say You are to take two tablespoons only But if your pain is very extreme You can take two more Never more than that If you ever Make mistakes And you take more than twelve You will certainly die Now that's a legally Defended option that physicians have used for many decades. Dr. Quivorkian was widely challenged by the medical community among its own because he was trying to make this a legal issue and to an extent a technological issue. It has never been that traditionally. Doctors have been helping people die for centuries, right?
0: So Carl, at this point, how do you feel about it being codified in, in Hawaii law explicitly?
4: Well, I think the real issue um, is that physicians are not psychologists. And actually, it's a psychological judgment more than a physiological one. Whether or not a person's desire to die is something that should be met with a prescription or a referral to a therapist. Even if a person only has six months left, it isn't necessarily true that there isn't a good quality of life, a meaningful experience for them, their relatives, etc., that depends on the individual case.
0: All right, well, I have a couple of individual cases here who who want to be able to Uh, answer you. Then
4: they can make that evaluation
0: uh, appropriately. All right, Carl, let me get you some answers from the panel around the table. Thanks very much for the call. John, you want to go first?
3: Well, I guess I'm an individual case. Uh, All right. Uh, Carl is is what what we're looking for is uh, frankly some support if we could get it from the legislature for me this isn't a theoretical discussion Uh, I'm dying and it is not a lot of fun Um, it's it's awful and people don't like to talk about it uh, at all and I'm talking about it just a little bit so you know the thing is I know what my situation is, and I know what my situation is legally as well as medically. And legally, I can't get a prescription for something I need, and I'm going to get it if I can by, by lobbying for it. Well, I can't lobby for it, but by praying for it, I guess. And other people are going to work on it.
0: Dr. Miller, I want to ask you about what Carl was saying in terms of, well, you know, a physician's not a psychologist. Well... You've got doctors who are also psychiatrists. Well, uh, I, that's a little different, but do you have to have a, a psychological evaluation by someone other than your doctor?
2: In uh, Oregon and in, I think in some of the other states, there has to be a, a confirmation by at least two physicians that the patient is competent to make that decision. Um,
0: but a psychologist isn't necessarily a physician.
2: A psychologist is not a physician, so the I think the point of this is that as an oncologist and and this is true for not just oncologists but patients but physicians, any physician who is closely involved in the care of cancer patients and and dying patients um there we have many ways, yes. That um, we can
0: skirt what might be illegal,
2: what might be uh, considered technically legal or illegal. Sorry, but the bottom line of doing all of these things, and I'll give you an example of this. All right, typically when I would have a cancer patient in hospice, and I would be, I'd get a call from the nurse. And they'd say, Dr. Miller, Mrs. Jones has having more and more pain. And so my response would be, okay, double her, double her morphine and call me back in an hour if it isn't better. And we would continue that until one or two things. Either her pain was did get better or she basically became unconscious and and eventually it stopped breathing. This is called terminal sedation. And your caller is absolutely right. It's perfectly legal. But the problem is, that's not the problem. The problem is that decision is not the patient's decision. That's the doctor's decision. And what we're trying to get people to focus on is this needs to be the patient's choice. The patient has the right. They have the right to make the decision when it's too much.
0: Tonight on Town Square, we're talking about physician-assisted aid in dying, and we want to hear from you. This has been a long-time conversation in Hawaii. Maybe it's been part of a conversation with you and your family, perhaps because of a family member. But we want to hear what you have to say about whether this should be part of Hawaii law. 941-3689 or 877-941-3689. I know this is difficult to talk about, Many of our families have had to go through this and have these conversations. It's not pretty, as you heard John Radcliffe say. Uh, you know, Most people don't want to talk about death and dying. And as a society, we don't talk a lot about that. We sort of pretend it's out there and trying to forestall the inevitable. But when someone is faced with a terminal disease, six months to live or fewer, should that person be allowed to choose the time and manner of his or her death. That's what we're talking about tonight. We wanna hear from you, 941-3689 or 877-941-3689. Charmaine, I'm sorry, I almost cut you off there.
1: Oh, no, that's okay. I wanted to respond to Carl uh, on two points. First is that for some individuals, palliative care and traditional hospice care simply is not enough to relieve a person dying uh, from pain and suffering. And secondly, doctors, actually the majority of doctors uh, who treat their patients are the ones who refer patients. Should there be any concern for psychological issues, our primary care, primary care physicians are generally the ones who refer us out for, for evaluation. So doctors are trained to see if a person is depressed or needing of that extra step.
0: So what do you say when you hear from doctors who say, you know, gee, I wish there were another way than helping people to to end their lives. I I wish we could do this differently, who feel that they're somewhat caught between feeling compassionate and empathic toward the suffering of their patients and not necessarily wanting to be the one to say, I helped this person end their lives.
1: Again, I, with this law, it is up to the individual to ask for that prescription. With this law, it's explicit that the doctor isn't the one who is pushing a person into getting the prescription. They're complying
0: with what the patient wants.
1: Absolutely. This is about patient-centered care, and it's about the patient deciding for his or herself what they want to do when they're facing end-of-life issues.
2: And and I think... Um, Any physician who takes care of dying patients has – they have that from the very beginning. In 40 years of my oncology practice, I've never seen any, any physician who wouldn't do what the patient asked if it were possible. And legal and legal.
0: All right, we're going to take some more callers if you'd like to join us 941 Sorry about that. Nine four one three six eight nine 3689 is our number if you call us from Oahu 941-3689 or 877-941-3689 going to Noel calling us from Volcano. Aloha. Welcome to Town Square.
5: Hi, thanks for taking my call. Uh, so you are Noel. You know what, I'm- I'm a nurse on the Big Island, and I think a lot about our jargon when we have these different diagnoses, you know, PAD, uh, COPD, that kind of thing. And I think so much that it would really shine new light on this whole case if we were considering physician-assisted death rather than physician-assisted suicide, you know, there automatically just becomes this negative view when that word suicide comes up, but if we're talking about dying with dignity... It's a totally different type of response that we'd like to see people have. And to, I, I'm just so hoping that when my time comes, that physician-assisted suicide process or physician-assisted death process, you see what I mean? It's so ingrained, oh, that's suicide, that's wrong. But, you know, I'd like to just see people's minds open more to that being more of a death process that's something positive rather than this negative, uh, just... Just softening the words, I think, really helps a lot.
0: Sometimes for people, you know, death isn't soft. I mean, the the, the whole idea of a life ending, but being able to have choice and control can mitigate some of that. Charmaine, I know you wanted to answer her.
1: Yeah, I absolutely agree with our caller because medical aid in dying is definitely not suicide, Suicide involves people who are severely depressed and no longer want to live. People who seek medical aid and dying are suffering life ending illnesses and understand that their condition is no longer treatable. There's no hope for a better outcome. So, those considering suicide see no hope and do not recognize that their problems are treatable. The people seeking medical aid and dying know that they're going to die and they're going to die imminently.
0: All right. Thanks very much for the call, Noel. We appreciate you participating with us. Our number is 941-3689 or 877-941-3689. Going now to Lucian calling us from Hawaii Kai. Thank you for your patience. Hi there.
6: Hi. uh, Just listening to the discussion, I think a lot of it um, unfortunately gets lost. and, And I think John said it perfectly when he said it can be philosophical. And in his case, it's not. It's very real. There's two things I'd like to point out. One, this whole discussion about whether it's legal or illegal, it doesn't matter. Any doctor would be concerned about his liability if there's any uh, any question, any possibility that there could be litigation. So the, the law has to pass to make it absolutely clear that there is no liability for the doctor. And in the case of Oregon and now California, and now uh, uh, Washington, Oregon, California, Colorado, oh, and two, uh, Vermont. two other states, and, and many others that are considering this, it is going to be made clear. And it, it's it's kind of a waste of time to discuss whether or not you can do that now here. It doesn't matter. It has to be absolutely clear for the doctor to be able to prescribe that medication. The second thing is I'm somewhat amazed that here is a man, John, and John, as I've said to you before, I think you're an extremely brave and individual to be able to stand up and say the things that you're saying while you're in the process of dying. And I think we should listen. Here is a man that is actually facing this issue and is willing to stand up and say, I want this law passed because I want that option. He's not saying that others should have that option. I mean, should, ha- should take the medication. He's saying in his case, he wants that option. And that's exactly how most people feel. I lost my wife uh, uh, a few years ago, and it was the same thing. She asked if she could go quickly. And we, uh, I, I, of course, living in Hawaii, it was not possible to do that and she was told that she was going to die. So she said, how am I going to die? And she said, she was told she's going to either die of thirst, or die of hunger, or die of infection. We talk about pain, but we forget the psychological pain and the anxiety that these poor people that are suffering. And you can tell from the way John is talking that the anxiety is almost, is probably in his case right now, worse than the physical pain. It's the anxiety that's and, and, and unless he can take knows he has that medication, and the physical pain reaches a point where he can take it, he's going to suffer that terrible anxiety, and that's another thing that needs to be. Uh, well, we're going to we're know gonna talk about the that anxiety now. That comes about when you're facing the ultimate uh, death.
0: Lucent, thank you very much for bringing up both of those points, and I think John wants to to answer you now. Thank you very much for the call. But that point about being able to have control to mitigate exactly. some of the anxieties—you know that you have an out. You can make the decision. Right. Nothing is going to be foisted upon you, and you're not going to have to live till it takes you. I'm
3: yeah, I'm fairly tough, and uh, I'm not afraid of 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 dying. But there is anxiety, let nonetheless, uh, and and I and it's it's. You know, it's something you have to deal with. I wanted to say to Lucian that my heart goes out to him and his family because I I know, you know, how difficult and sad that is. And I wanted to say to everybody listening, those the three people that called in so far, Carl, Noel, Lucian, I'm asking you, I'm asking you, you got to talk to your legislator, you got to. Talk to them face-to-face or her face-to-face and say, listen, I want this legislation. I want your vote on this. And uh, you'd be surprised. You ask people for their vote, more than likely you'll get it.
0: You're you're saying, though, that they have to be just as vocal as that very vocal minority that has been keeping it in your mind suppressed all of these years.
3: I think it's time for those of us who want Hawaii to be a more humane place. It's time for us to stand up.
0: All right. Let's see what Jaslyn has to say. She's calling us from Kula, Aloha. Welcome to Town Square.
5: And um, Jaslyn, jo- are you say there? Something about my father who did choose to die, and he chose to starve himself to death. And this is not a thing that is compassionate. It's not easy for someone to make that kind of decision but because of, you know, talking about, you know, the, the doctor's liabilities and how they feel. And if we could talk to some of these people who, who did choose to take their lives in any way they could. And my father was 95. He was in tremendous pain. And so I'm just, uh, for a very long time, wanting this to be possible for people. Thank and you. I appreciate
0: that. Thank you for for calling us the forum. And, and sharing your story. I think that's pretty much what we're hearing from John. Is that if people share their stories, then that becomes the conversation, and then maybe those of us who are maybe on the outside of it might understand it a little bit better. Thank you so much for for calling us. We're going to go now to George calling us from the Big Island. Aloha, George. Welcome to Town Square. Aloha.
7: Thanks for the call. The opportunity to, to call in. Um, I'm just going to give a perspective in that in society, you know, we have children. We get married. You have a son or daughter. You buy or bring into the home after about five years, a puppy or a kitten for your child, and they grow up together. And when the puppy or the kitten is about 12, 15 years old, we take them to the vet, and the vet says the best thing you can do for Fluffy or Fifi is euthanize it. So we collectively decide. Our child grew up with them. We had them in our home. We decided for that animal what's the best, and yet we can't decide for ourselves. I agree with a couple back that we need to talk to our elected officials and let them know how we feel. That it is a choice that needs to be given to people. And again, it's a choice. If somebody doesn't want to use it, that's their prerogative. And uh, I'll leave you with that.
0: All right, George. Thanks very much for the call. We're going to go now uh, to Ocean View and hear from Chris. Aloha, Chris. Welcome to Town Square. Aloha. Hi there.
8: Um, yes. Five years ago, uh, my wife passed away from a genetic condition called Cowden's disease. Now, we spent close to six months in the hospital where she progressively got worse and worse. And while she had cognitive ability, we discussed whether she when she wanted to end it all. Now, fortunately, at the time we were living in Washington, and allowed quite a bit of latitude on this. Um, and basically when she stopped communicating was, when she stopped being able to communicate was when she wanted, all right, it's time to go. And um, it was difficult for me, and I held on longer than probably she wanted me to, probably a month or two longer than she wanted, before I talked to the doctors and, and asked what my options were, and fortunately it was simply to decrease oxygen and she would go. Um, but she was allowed to go home, and though she was not able to communicate and though there was very little reasoning left in her, I could see the difference in her general demeanor and attitude when she was surrounded by her pets and her family. Um, there was very little comprehension going on, but like I said, I could see the difference and feel the difference. And it was She was happy. It was time to go.
0: Chris, can I ask and, you a question now that you're, you're here in Hawaii and, and listening to the story about what you went through with your wife? And, and my heart goes out to you for what you both experienced and, and to not be able to communicate with the people she loved, how, how horrific that, that must have been. But here you are now in Hawaii. What are you going to do this year?
8: Um, well, I'm also going to support it because, you know, I have been remarried and my wife went through the exact same thing with her first husband. Uh, he got cancer and went through the same thing. So, I mean, we're both pretty good advocates for, you know, this is a very good measure, and it's really important to those family members that have to go on afterwards as well as the person that's going through the pain. John, well, you want to answer Ocean
3: that? View, is that where you're from?
8: Uh, no, I'm from Edmonds, Washington. I live in Ocean View right now.
3: Oh, okay, okay. All right, thank you. All right. Thank you. All right, bye. Oh, all
0: right, Chris, I, I think John's making notes that yeah. there, there might be an advocate <laughs> notion of you. Thank you very much for your call. <laughs> yes.
5: Right, for those bye. of you
0: joining <laughs> us tonight on Town Square, we're talking about aid and dying, death with dignity, the means to be able to choose when you are able to... Make your own death come about painlessly with the uh, assistance of a physician who would be able to write you a prescription. But that would be your choice if you were someone who had six months or fewer to live. That's something that we've talked about in Hawaii for such a long time. Now it looks like it's coming around again at the legislature, as we've seen several other states also put in similar uh, measures, uh, most notably and lately Colorado. So we want to hear from you tonight 941-3689 or 877-941-3689. Would you support death with dignity being legally codified in Hawaii law? 941-3689 or 877-941-3689. Going to Sandra calling us from Maui. Aloha, Sandra. Welcome to Town Square.
5: Thank you for taking my call. And first and foremost, I want to say thank you, John, for sharing your story. And um, I think as a society, we... Have a really hard time um, with the natural process of dying and unfortunately we don't talk about it enough so thank you for for doing that for all of us.
0: Um, and when we don't talk about it, I it guess, makes it scarier.
5: Yeah, of course and understandably so. It's the big unknown. Um, but my question is it kind of seems like a no-brainer then like you know you we've cited or you cited 80% of our population wants this law to pass through Um, So my question is, what do we do as a community to ensure that that does happen if we support it? Which I do.
0: All right, Charmaine would like to answer you.
1: So I just wanted to say to please join our movement. If I can just put in the plug for our organization, Compassion and Choices. Please join us at www.compassionandchoices.org. Click on the Hawaii button. Also, if you can contact our organizer on the ground, her name is Mary Steiner, msteiner at compassionandchoices.org. Join us. We need you. We need to see you at the legislature. We need to have you call your legislators. We need you guys to share your stories, write letters to the editors. Again, uh, the opposition will be coming out against this issue. It's a vocal minority of folks who speak out against this the majority of people in Hawaii are for this so we need the majority to stand up and speak out on this issue
0: those who speak out against it that vocal minority that we've been talking about usually do so on, on religious grounds Correct. that's that's really what they what they say and then the answer that we've heard from those who support the measure is you know look okay that's how you feel that's what you might make as a choice for right. you, but that uh-huh. why should you have that ability to make the choice for someone else? That's the, been the consistent line that we've heard for a very, very long time. Is that going to be something that's enough to be able to to sway people now to understand that they're going to have to stand up and, and really, really say that they want to have that option given yes. to them?
1: they will have to. They'll have
0: to. Again, you know, for people... Who's, uh, I mean, especially in the changing climate that we're seeing uh, you know, uh, politically over the, the next couple of weeks where we see a, a new administration coming in, a wave of conservative thought that we've seen happen. Is this going to make it even tougher, not necessarily in Hawaii, but as a movement across the country? Well, what we say to those
1: people who think so that this conflicts with the religion or their beliefs we say that we definitely recognize that individuals are guided by their own faiths and be- and religious beliefs, and we would never suggest that a person should access aid and dying if it's against their values. But our goal is to ensure that medical aid and dying is authorized across the country so that people have the freedom to make their own health care decisions and choices that are consistent with their own personal beliefs. And-, and
0: to know that those beliefs can change, I mean, again, bringing it back to Archbishop Desmond Tutu and what he said just about 10 days ago.
1: And we have uh, religious leaders across the spectrum. We even have Catholic nuns who are for this issue.
0: All right. well we've got callers coming in and if you want to join us, our number is 941-3689 or 877-941-3689. Going now to Didi calling us from Honolulu. Aloha Didi, welcome to Town Square.
5: Hi. Uh, I just want to make one comment and I I think this is sort of like it used to be with abortion. There are those who can afford to go to Switzerland, where they can go to a a, a private clinic and and have this done if they are suffering uh, to the extent that they really, and they're dying, they can do this. They can fly to another state, I suppose, and perhaps have, you know, end their life in that way. So for those who can't afford... To do this, I mean, I feel very badly that, you know, for those who maybe physically aren't able to make the journey or can't afford to do it and therefore cannot have the ease of leaving by choice in a difficult situation.
0: To say nothing of the fact that they would be cut off from a lot of the things that they know. We talked about this a little earlier. Exactly. Oh, program. I didn't hear it. I'm so sorry. No, no, no. That's but, okay. Don't be, don't be sorry. You join us when you do. But just to, to know that that has also been part of the conversation to, yeah. to not say it's going to be a burden or a hardship to have to pick up and go away. But also, what does that mean when you're now cut off from your community, cut off from the people that you see on a daily basis, your home, your own bathroom? I mean, really exactly. simple things. Exa-
5: or, or simply... Uh, but just simply not even being able to afford that choice, you know, wanting it, wanting to be able to do this with dignity, and then not being able to afford to be able to do it. I mean, it does cost. It is costly if one has to go away on many levels.
0: All right, Dee, Thank you so much okay, for, for so calling much. in. Going to go now to Alice calling us from Waikaloa. Aloha, Alice. Welcome to Town Square.
5: Aloha. Uh, My comment is that um, I'm not sure if I'm really in favor of of this because a lot of times a person, you know, they're in a vulnerable position. They're weak and whatever, sick, and maybe they really want to hold on to life but um, don't want to be a burden or an expense, a burden to their family or an expense to society. And so I'm not sure if I'm really in agreement with it. You know, um, at the least, I would think that there should be a panel or some kind of counselor that would meet with the person and decide. Well, really well, if well this let's is talk. Let's talk about what that. They want to do
0: because we, we were mentioning a little earlier about having to have not just your own physician, but being able to have another physician corroborate that. Doctor Miller,
2: to the best of my understanding, uh, all of the states that currently have. Uh, legislated uh, death with dignity or aid in dying. There are multiple levels of built-in safeguards to prevent exactly what the caller is concerned about.
0: Somebody gets depressed and they do something on one day which they Mm -hmm. might regret if they were even here to regret it later on.
2: It's not just, not only that, but it's, in most states, there is actually a, uh, in Oregon, I believe, a two-week waiting period before... uh, once the patient – the patient has to request twice in writing, and then the uh, besides the patient's own physician, another physician has to certify that the patient is still competent. And then it's still two weeks delay or wait, waiting time, before that physician can write the prescription. And all of these safeguards are built into – to try and prevent exactly what her concerns are. So I think and 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 this we have we have how many years of experience with Oregon right now and there this just doesn't occur. It's right. just not it's not been documented.
0: Alice thank you very much for the call. If you would like to join us to talk about your perspective on aid in dying death with dignity our phone lines are open 941-3689 if you call us from oahu that's the number to use and from the neighbor islands or if you're listening to the live stream you can get to us at eight seven seven nine four one three six eight nine. john did you have anything to add to her okay then we're going to move on going to bernie calling us from molokai aloha bernie welcome oh. to town square
9: oh, hello thanks for taking the call um and I'm glad to get a chance to make a couple comments. Um, I'm an older person myself, and I've lost dear friends to very difficult uh, deaths, but as an older person, I also feel responsible for us to set an example, a clear example for younger people. And uh, if we make suicide, which I think is a pretty, a clear description of what we're talking about here: taking one's own life. If we make suicide somehow in some situations seem to be okay for people that are intensely miserable and in pain, in psychological pain in some kinds cases, how can we at the same time tell young people that it's categorically wrong to? For for there to be suicide in their case, uh, when they're miserable and they're and they're having uh, psychological stresses and, and and terrible feelings, and it is categorically wrong for those for those kids to give up on life, and I, and I feel that we just have to be responsible to for the younger people and what this communicates of our society. Starts to allow a, a certain section of mm-hmm. people to commit suicide.
0: All right, Bernie. I don't
9: mean to be—I don't mean to be cruel in the term. But no,
0: no, no, no. I—I I don't think you're not. But you also bring up a point about, you know, is this pain more intense than that pain? What kind of pain are we talking about? Which, in—in in the laws that we've seen in other states, have tried to quantify what that is all about with having to be terminal and six months or less, but. He's he's asking a, a really deep philosophical question here that if this becomes okay, then how do we, in in good conscience, not, you know, say to someone, well, your pain is, is valid, too, because we have such an issue with attempted suicide in Hawaii's young people, especially, and uh, not just attempted suicide, but, but suicide numbers, and he brings up a, a really difficult, yeah. difficult issue. Dr. I, Miller? I think,
2: well... I think it's, uh, it's been studied and studied and studied that aid in dying, when a, when a person, a patient, a person has six months to live or less, they're going to die. It's just a question. The, the issue is does that person have the right? To choose when it's going to happen—that's not suicide. I I I I disagree That's just in with your mind the,
0: hastening the inevitable.
2: Yeah, it's 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 this patient is this person is going to die, and I firmly believe that every patient like that should have their own choice about when it happens, and the the, the medical. The medical literature supports that, that that aid in dying is not suicide.
0: All right. We're going to go on with some of our callers. Unless you want to quickly add something? Yeah, I just wanted to
1: quickly add I absolutely agree. Again, uh, these are medical aid in dying is for people who are simply choosing not to prolong a difficult and painful dying process. And I want to make clear that suicide and assisted suicide remains a felony in states where medical aid and dying is authorized. It's factually, legally, and medically speaking inaccurate to equate medical aid and dying with suicide or assisted suicide.
0: All right. Thank you for that clarification. Gonna see how many more callers we can get before we have to say goodbye. Going to Jacques calling us from Waikiki. Oh yeah. Aloha Jacques. Make sure how you turn doing? down you gotta turn down your radio, please. Oh yeah, okay. Uh I'm eighty six, I have prostate cancer, so I'm looking right at it.
3: But fortunately, I have the insurance and I don't have a lot of money to, for my uh, probates. So I can just paddle out anytime I need to. But I can understand where people who have family and all that sort of thing have to have, to have a body, you know, to, for the insurance and for the death certificate. But it's a lot cheaper to go to Switzerland or Mexico than it is to stay in a hospital to, for 90 days or six months. So plus what intelligent individual would want to suffer gaily for six months and put his family
0: through it? I mean give us a break. Oh, Why all right this Doc, I think legislature hasn't passed that is beyond me. Well, it seems to be beyond a couple of people around this table too. Thank you so much for your call. We appreciate That's it. We wish you all the for best
3: coming up with the, uh, with, with the program.
0: Thank you so much. Just in the interest of time, we're going to move on. Peggy calling us from Kaneohe. Aloha, Peggy. Welcome to Town Square.
5: Hi, thank you. Uh, Two points. I feel guilty for not helping my mother die 25 years ago. It was selfish of me to want to keep her around. She had terrible cancer, metastasized from the breast to the spine, to the head, to the brain. She had a coma, and she begged me when she was able to give her extra morphine and I couldn't do it, and I feel guilty for, she suffered another seven months because of that. And on on another note, my oldest brother committed suicide three years ago because he could not see past his circumstances. On the other hand, my mother saw her circumstances, she was a nurse, she knew what was coming, and she begged me to help her out. But I didn't have the quote-unquote balls to do it, and I'm I feel guilty about it 25 years
0: later. Yeah. Well, well, Peggy, I I can understand that, and I hope you'll be gentle with yourself, having seen both sides of this issue of what a suicide, a true suicide, looks like, and certainly what your mother asked you to help with that that you couldn't. John would like to talk to you.
3: Peggy, you know, since I started on this thing and decided to just take it on, um, I've been hearing from so very many people with the kind of story you just told. 25 years later you still feel bad. I do. And, and it, I know. And, it, and it's, it's a kind of a thing where I think that there are literally thousands of people like you out there who are, who are feeling still feeling bad about something that they couldn't have done or wish they would have done different or whatever it was but whatever happened happened. Uh, but you know with this legislation we can put that behind us. We can finally settle this issue, and and people like me can go rest in peace.
0: Peggy, thanks so much for the call, and again, I hope you'll be gentle with yourself. Going now to Dan, calling us from Honolulu. Aloha, Dan. Welcome to Town Square.
8: Thank you.
10: I have uh, objections to Mm -hmm. a number of the things that the panel and Mr. Radcliffe have said. I don't mean to be insensitive, Mr. Radcliffe, to your situation, which is obviously... Uh, a difficult one, but there are a number of things you said which there just really isn't support for. Uh, Specifically, what nothing nothing has gone wrong in any of the states where they have a position of suicide. That's not that's just not true. The problem is, like in Oregon, the law is actually written to avoid any accountability. So they have uh, only been able to discover difficulties on a case-by-case basis, because there's no central reporting. And that was the way the bill was designed by Compassion and Choice. Also, we've got a situation where there really aren't any safeguards. People say, oh, we'll have safeguards. but If you follow the thoughts through, you're going to have controlled medications out there that are used, can be used any time, and they are not tracked by anybody. And people say, well, just put in safeguards. Well, there really aren't any safeguards when you get down to it. And this was validated by the New York State panel, which looked at this and contained a majority of people who were pro-PAS. Dan, they were in favor of it personally. Dan, and they I, said we can't accept it as social policy because there aren't safeguards.
0: Dan, forgive me for interrupting you. Yeah. I, I'm doing that only in the interest of time because we're coming sure. down to the last couple of minutes of the show. Sure. And I want to hear what what Charmaine has to say given what you've just challenged her with?
1: So I think uh, what you said is actually completely untrue. Uh, In Oregon, there's been extensive study by researchers, by uh, the Oregon government uh, to look at the impact of the law, and we know that the law has worked as, as intended. Again, there's not been one case of abuse, coercion, any of the slippery slopes that uh, opponents are afraid of seeing, none of that has materialized. And the
0: reporting that, that he's saying wasn't
1: happening? It has been happening in Oregon and some of the other states. That the reporting is actually very burdensome for some of our doctors, so we hope that we don't have reporting in all of that, in, all the, in some of the states, so that we see this pass.
0: Well, we're going to have to say goodbye to you in just about a minute. So I want to thank the entire panel for joining us tonight and all of you for joining us. Obviously, we'll be following this as we move through the legislative session. So thank you so much, John Radcliffe, to Dr. Chuck Miller, and to Charmaine Manansala. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you very much. Thank you. And we'll see you tomorrow morning right back here for The Conversation. And meanwhile, have yourselves a good evening. I'm Beth Ann Kozlovich. Aloha.